Welcome to Lessons for Life, where we seek to learn, love, and live the Word of God. Now, here is James Long, Jr. Well, welcome back. We are continuing our study of 1 Peter, the book of 1 Peter. And as we look at the book of 1 Peter, I want you to think about grace amid suffering that Peter is writing to a number of people that are going through suffering. And I want you to know that you can have hope and trust in God in the midst of your suffering and that God will strengthen you to endure whatever trial and whatever suffering comes your way in this life. And in some of our prior conversations about this, we were looking right at the beginning of 1 Peter and we saw that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were all part of the work of our salvation. God the Father planned our salvation. God the Son provided for our salvation, and the Holy Spirit is the pledge of our salvation. We saw that in the early part. We saw that Peter was saying, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. He wanted to see grace and peace multiplied in their lives. He he wanted to see that unmerited grace, an unsurpassed grace, an unassailable grace. And that you remember, I had asked the question, why is it that grace always seems to precede peace? And you know the answer. You can't have real peace without grace. God's grace has to be poured out first, and then we get the benefit of peace. And then we got a chance to look at the praise for God. You remember that we are blessing God and praising him because of his great mercy and praising him because he has caused us to be born again and praising him because he has given us a living hope and praising him because he has granted us an inheritance and praising him because he has given us a security in heaven and praising us because he is keeping us secure to get to heaven. Amazing what God has done for you and for me if you are in Christ. And then the principles that we talked about in suffering, we saw that in verses six and following, that suffering is passing and suffering has a purpose and suffering is painful and suffering is plentiful, but suffering can prompt joy amazingly in this suffering. You could rejoice that suffering promotes growth, improves your faith, and suffering persuades us to look to Christ, his humiliation on his cross, and his glorification in heaven. And then you, you remember we said there was a product, or what was produced out of our suffering is what? The divine design behind your suffering is the tested genuineness of your faith. It's tested by fire, that fire separates and it sanctifies, but God's grace is there for us. And that should pour out a passion for Christ, that we see him, though we do not see him, we love him, we treasure Christ. And though we do not now see him, we believe in him. We trust Christ. We believe in him. And that should produce an inexpressible and a glorified joy. And then we talked about the prophets and the angels that they longed for us. They longed to see, they longed for the day to see the salvation that Christ was going to purchase and, and the redeemed group of people that were going to come through the work of Christ. So today I want to talk to you about to what are we born again? So now we've been born again. Great. But for what reason? What purpose? To what are we born again? And I want you to see in verses 13 through 25 that we are born again to be holy, born again to be reverential, and born again to be loving. These three things are so important. 
Well, let's let's look at verses 13 through 16, and we'll see that we are called to be born again, to be holy. It says, therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your formal ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And I want you to see here first that growing in holiness requires that we have a prepared mind, prepared mind. You see, it says this, prepare your minds for action and be sober-minded, clear thinking. It's so important. If we're going to grow in holiness, we have to have prepared minds. But there's a second thing I want you to know, that to grow in holiness requires that we set our hope on God and his grace. You see it here. It says, therefore, preparing your mind for action, be sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace of God. We need to settle our hopes on God and His grace if we're ever going to grow in holiness, but it doesn't stop there. To grow in holiness means that we need to be obedient. It says in verse 14, as obedient children. It's not enough to hear God's word. It's not enough to trust God's word. We must obey. Kind of like the song when, you remember, trust and obey. There is no other way. So we must be obedient children, and we need to be doing the God-honoring thing. So we need to grow grow in holiness requires prepared minds. To grow in holiness requires that we settle our hopes on God and his grace. To grow in holiness means that we need to um, be obedient children. And the last thing I want you to see here is that growing in holiness requires that we practice this, the ability to control our passions, the ability to control our passions. See what it says here, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. You shouldn't be living like you used to live in the past. It should be different. So prepared minds, a settled hope, obedient life, and controlling your passions, we are born again to be holy. But he doesn't stop there. We're born again to be reverential. It says this in verse 17, And if you call him father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear through the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, like a lamb, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last time for your sake who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Well, it says this, that we are called to fear God. Conduct yourself with fear, verse 17. What does it mean to fear God? It, it, it doesn't mean dread for a believer. What it means is reverence. It means worship. It means awe. And we should live our lives reverential. We're born again to be reverential. And I want you to see this, that we, we are called to fear God as our Father. 
we are called to look to the Father, the God, the first person of the Trinity, as our Father. Amazingly, we have been brought into his family, and we should fear him as our Father. But then fear him as a judge. Now, thankfully, for the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we will stand before God and be judged righteous in his sight because of the work of Christ applied to our account, but we will still be judged. And we need to fear God as our Redeemer. He ransomed us not with silver or gold, but with his precious blood of his Son. And then we are called to fear God as our only hope. So fear God as our Father, fear God as the Judge, fear God as a Redeemer, and fear God as our only hope. So you're born again to be holy. You're born again to be reverential, but we're going to end with this. You're born again to be loving as well. See this, it says this, having purified your soul by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and biting word of God for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass the grass withers and the flower fades but the word of the Lord endures forever it remains forever and this is the word is the good news that was preached to you I want you to remember the greatest commandment to love your Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength and all your soul and to love your neighbor as yourself. And, and he says here that we call, we show our love to God and we show our love to others and we're called to do that. What does this kind of love look like? Well, it's first a pure love. You see that in verse 22. It says, having purified your soul. And then it says, from a pure heart at the end of verse 22. So the type of love that we should have is a pure love for others, but it's also a love that is a sincere love. We see that in verse 22 here as well. It says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere love, brother, sincere brotherly love. I need you to know it's got to be sincere. It can't be wearing mask. It can't be fake. It can't be hypocrisy. It's got to be sincere. It's pure, it's sincere, but then the third thing, it's family love. You see it, it says sincere brotherly love. You need to look at people in Christ as your family. God is our father, Jesus Christ is our elder brother, but we have a family, brothers and sisters in Christ that that look different than us and speak different than us, but they are brothers and sisters by the precious blood of Christ. So we need to see a love that is pure. We need to see a love that is is sincere. We need to see a love that is brotherly, but we need to see a love that is earnest as well. Love one another earnestly. That's what we're called to do. We're called to do this with a full heart, deepening in love. We need to be pressing forward in love in our lives. So, So I end today with this. You've been born again to be holy. You've been born again to be reverential. You've been born again to be loving. How well are you doing with each one of these areas? I bet you if you struggle with love, it's probably because you're struggling with um, holiness or reverential um, aspects in your life.
I bet you if you struggle with any of the other ones, it's probably because you, you've been struggling with being in the Word of God, this good news. We need to be preaching this good news gospel to ourselves every single day. We need to be reminding ourselves of, of guilt and grace and gratitude, the sin that we had, the Savior of Jesus Christ, and satisfaction. And when we do that, and we, when we're amazed at what God has done for us, then what we will see is a greater level of desire to be holy, a greater level of desire to be reverential, and a greater desire to love God and love others. I pray that that's happening in your life. Blessings. This has been Lessons for Life with James Long Jr. We hope you've been blessed. For more information, go to jameslongjr.org.